Welcome to The Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mom of six kids, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Payne Show. Jesse. it is our week to record an episode. Those of you who haven't noticed, Jesse and I have been recording an episode pretty much every other week. And then on the off weeks, we have been having an interview. So we've been doing this mostly just as a side note, because we got a lot of feedback from people. Half of our listeners seem to love the episodes between you and me and Jesse, and half of our listeners seem to really love the interviews. And since we can't please all of the people all of the time, I thought, well, let's try to please half of the people half, half of the time. The time. Yep. And maybe there's a little sector of the people who like both. So, And a little sector that doesn't like either of them. That's right. And they need to go find another podcast <laughs> to listen to. But this week, it feels like it has been so long since we've sat down to record an episode together, even though I think it's just been two weeks. But we have lived a lot of life in the last two weeks. And today we're going to talk about slacker parenting. And I know that just feels like for a lot of you, wow, that is really what I want to be or do as a parent. It's it's a tongue-in-cheek phrase, but really it's going to be about how, how to not have to fix and solve and do everything for your kids, teaching them to be independent raising them to be adults and the gift that not only it gives them, but the gift that it gives you because it allows you to simplify because you're not having to constantly hover and oversee everything and help them with everything. You're teaching them to be able to do things on their own, but also it allows you then frees you up to be able to just pour into them and love them and be their cheerleaders and walk with them as they get older. So we're going to talk some about what it has looked like for us to really practically walk that out in our lives and more. But before we get to that, Jesse, we just got home from a camping trip. As in Literally just, just got, got home. home. Yep. We did unload the RV and our other vehicle and put everything away with the kids' help, which went remarkably smoothly. I said, I was, well, I was unloading. I was like, wow, this is what happens when everybody works together. It's amazing. We can get so much done in such a short amount of time. I think it took us about 45 minutes. That was it. And we had everything unloaded and put away and the house looked in really great shape. So that was wonderful. But we had a great camping trip. Um, it was our second time to rent an RV, which some of you are going to be thinking, well, that's not even a camping trip. But we did go to a campground and we put our RV on a tent slash RV site. So we're going to call that camping at this stage of our life mm-hmm. with three young children and three teenagers. Um, but it was our second time to rent an RV, but we got smart this time and we rented one that you could drive. Mm-hmm. One of the smaller, I don't know, you probably a know. a classy motorhome, not a trailer. And that worked out so well. Mm-hmm. It was so much easier than last time we had rented a trailer that you had to have a big truck and pull it. and That we borrowed. 
And it was just kind of scary to have to pull that in and out when we mm-hmm. weren't used to, I say we, you weren't used to driving that large of a vehicle with trailer mm-hmm. and, um, well, so, and somebody else's truck. So. Yes. It just, it, it just, it went so smoothly um, this time when we had a great camping trip, you and I mostly just stayed around the RV. Um, mm-hmm. We went with our community group. And so they went out and did some different things. Um, but with David and Kirsten and Micah, we stayed pretty put, um, but we still got to really enjoy it. And we slept really well. I which, was very surprised. Yes. All eight of us in this very small space, we had just enough beds for everyone. Um, and I think I slept better last night than I have slept. I don't know. how long. Mm-hmm. Like I feel so good today. And usually when you come back from a camping trip, you're tracking and so exhausted. And the weather was perfect. We didn't get sunburned, but it, it was cool, but it wasn't too cold and it was warm, but it wasn't too warm and it didn't rain and there were no bugs really because it was this time of year. And it mm-hmm. was just, it was just a really special. One thing I did learn was how much our kids like to sleep in cold. Yes. That was a little shocking. I was like, well, what is your rooms like? Because they said, can we please turn the air conditioner down really low? And we're like, okay. And they're like, no, no, no. We need it much, much colder than that. And so in the middle of the night, the first night, you and I woke up because we were so cold and we didn't have enough blankets and mm-hmm. we were freezing. Like we would have slept better that night if we had just wasn't so freezing cold and you ended up turning the air conditioner off because they were all asleep. Mm-hmm. And then we slept much better because it was off. But yes, apparently they like it Arctic. Um, <laughs> and we don't know these things because we never sleep. The, all their bedrooms are upstairs right. and we're on the main floor. And so we don't sleep up there. And apparently they have all agreed together to Either have that or our air conditioner up there. Freezing Free, frigid works really well and the heat doesn't work at all. <laughs> but yes. Also, we had our girls went to prom. But we also sort of went to prom, um, not because we're stalker parents. I guess we're talking about slagger parenting, right. um, but because we have a senior this year. Catherine is graduating in May. And so at the private Christian school that they go to at the senior year, they have a senior dinner and the parents come and the School headmaster and his wife give a blessing over every single child, which was really special, and um, just kind of speak life over them for what they've seen in them, what they see their potential, and just encourage them. And then the parents speak a blessing over the child as well during dinner. And then after the dinner, the um, mothers and sons and fathers and daughters get to have the first dance. And so I wasn't really cluing in until Friday when prom was. It struck me. I have never been to prom before. And Jesse has never been to prom before because we were homeschooled. And that was back in the olden days when they didn't have proms for homeschoolers. I think they probably have them now or have opportunities for similar things for homeschoolers. But even if they had had them, we uh, probably wouldn't have been going because uh, our parents weren't really into the uh, dancing sort of scene. Um, But we, so Jesse, you did this little 
promposal thing for me with <laughs> Catherine. Catherine's idea. She's, Dad, you have to do this. It was it was really sweet um, and really it was just fun. It was really special because then also Caitlin went because she went with one of the senior boys as his friend date, and then Silas got to go because we were able to buy a ticket for him. They had an extra ticket, so we got to go with all three of our older kids and um, had babysitters for the little ones. And so that was it was just a really special evening. So I feel like I'm finally getting back on the reading train again. I I feel like ever since my book, I was in the middle of launching that, I kind of fell off a little bit of consistently reading. And I'll have to say 75 Hard, um, that very much helped me because every single day you are supposed to read 10 pages of a nonfiction book, which sounds so minimal, but just getting in the habit of doing that Mm -hmm. first thing in the morning really encouraged me to get back to very regular reading and be finishing books. I've been finishing one to two books every week. So that's very encouraging to me. We, speaking of which, 75 hard. um, Well, Jesse and I are both starting over again tomorrow. You made it to, how far did you make it? 36 days. 36 days. And I made it to, I think I was on day 21, but then... Life happened mm-hmm. for both of us. I don't, what was it? I don't even remember what it was, but for both of us. It, my thing was I had a system, mm-hmm. how I was able to get everything in each day. And then I tried tweaking the system a little bit. And usually when I try to try something new, it doesn't quite go as well as I had hoped. So my lesson on that section of 75 hard was stick with the mundane. That is what you know, you, the boring is what is easy and repeatable. And when you get in that rut, don't change anything. And anybody that knows me knows I like to change things. Yeah. <laughs> like to try new things. You're like, let's so, try this new idea. And then it just kind of, yeah. I had two days where I almost finished, but both days I just, I it was like I was at, in three of the areas and didn't make it. Um, So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start over. And then I knew we had this. I went to Florida on Thursday to uh, record with Family Life and just flew there and back in one day. And um, then we had the camping trip. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to restart on Monday, which I know everybody's like, no, just start, like start today. But I knew realistically that it was probably better for me just to start on Monday, and I said to you on the camping trip, I'm really happy that I just decided to mm-hmm. start We're again being on Monday. Intentional. Start on Monday. I'm going to try to get as much done today as I can, even though it's technically not starting. But well, and I just realized forward. 21 days of that consistency, mm-hmm. drinking the gallon of water, and going, you know, exercising indoors, exercising outdoors, sticking with my plan for eating and um, eating enough protein and reading. All of those things, I realize I'm still doing most of them right? just because I got into that rut. And so I feel like it's not going to be hard at all to jump right back in mm-hmm. because I, I've been doing about 80% the last few days just because I felt I felt so much better. Right. And um, so anyway, that was an aside. But I just, um, I'm almost done with listening to The Book Woman's Daughter. So I talked about The Book Woman of Troublesome Creek a number of episodes ago. It was a very fascinating audiobook. 
um, kind of a one of those where there weren't layers upon layers upon layers, and it wasn't this very exciting sort of read, but it just was this quiet one that made you really think. And so this is about the bookworm's daughter. Again, it's fiction, but based in a time in history, and it's about the blue people. And um, these were people who had a certain gene that if both the mother and father had the gene, then their children, some of their children would be born with this blue skin. And they were seen in that day as a colored person. This was primarily in Kentucky, right? Yes. And very kind of backwoods Kentucky where people had very little education and um, kind of very primitive. A lot of them didn't really come out of their homes and interact with many people. And so it's it's not only about the blue people, but also about the Pack Horse Librarian Project. And um, so these women who would ride on horses to these primitive areas and homes and bring them library books every week. And so it's just a continuation of the story, but I, I'm really enjoying it. It's kind of telling then how the Pack Horse Librarian Project and the Blue People kind of how that was viewed and how that was going, the Librarian Project, and then how Blue People were viewed kind of a little later on in time. And um, so I am almost finished with listening to that. It's by Kim Michelle Richardson. And I just, like I said, it really has made me think and examine and just learn new things, which I feel like there's always a lot of value in a book if it makes you think and you learn new things about history. Now, Jesse, you have been listening to a lot of interesting podcasts, I feel like, recently, and also telling me about this book that you, I think, heard from the po- a podcast that they were interviewing the author. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was listening to the Jack Carr podcast, and he a lot of times has authors on talking about their new works that are coming out. And He had on Larry Loftus, and so I was listening to that podcast, and he's talking about the new book that he has coming out called The Watchmaker's Daughter. And Larry Loftus is a, an author that likes to write nonfiction books in a dramatic way basically kind of like a thriller way of writing nonfiction. So true stories. Yeah, just I think also stories. he probably picks stories that would lend themselves mm-hmm. to be thrillers. Right now and he's got four books with the Watchmaker's Daughter coming out. That'll be the fourth book. That's about that is about Corey Tin Boom. And the first book that I had read of his was really good. Um, and that was Into the Lion's Mouth. Um, about a World War II spy that was the inspiration for James Bond. I think we've talked about that in the past. And then I read the next book, Codename Lease. Actually, I listened to that book. Well, I've just finished listening to the third book. It's called A Princess Spy. And it's about an American woman that um, became a spy working for the OSS during World War II. And she was stationed over in Spain. A lot happened between the Spain and Portugal. And the reason it's entitled The Princess Spy is she ultimately ends up marrying a titled person there in Spain and becomes, um, she wasn't duchess or count, countess, but um, she While became, she was a spy or after? Both. Okay. So she she got married. She tried to get out of the OSS. She got married and then continued to do some work with and actually the OSS disbanded after World War II. So she was working for the 
company that was set up after the OSS was disbanded and prior to the CIA being formed to kind of keep their eyes on some people that were overseas. And she was actually in, uh, influential in the investigations during the latter part of World War II. And, and she also kind of tried looking into the gold and art thefts after World War II. Mm. So pretty fascinating. She kind of almost stumbled upon a trail that they would use to transport the stolen art to, they think, to Argentina. Hmm. Fascinating. Pretty fascinating. Now I have to listen to that. And I really am excited about The Watchmaker's Daughter because I've loved reading books by Corey Ten Boom. And so I'm excited to hear kind of his take Mm -hmm. on her story. So what's saving my life this week? Well, I have two things because I feel like it's been so long since we've done a podcast. Only it's been two weeks. But one of them is iron in a bottle. And I've used this multiple times over just the last few days because I had to go to a couple of different events um, right before we went to uh, on our camping trip. I had this fundraiser event for the nonprofit that I'm aboard the board chair for. And then also, like I said, I flew to Florida to go to Family Life to do recordings. And so Iron in a Bottle is this spray that you can spray on your, your I was going to say on your kids. <laughs> That's what I don't know where my brain is. I said I got good sleep last night. You can spray on your clothes if they are a little bit wrinkly or quite a bit wrinkly. I don't own an iron. I do have a steamer, but prefer not to use it unless I absolutely have to. And so you just hang it up, you spray it, and you let it dry. And so typically it works best if you do it overnight or if you you know aren't don't do it right before because it's going to be wet and it's still going to be wrinkled. But you have to let it dry. Usually it takes about I would say thirty minutes to an hour, depending upon how much you spray it. And it truly works. Like it takes the wrinkles out and it's kind of feels like it was starch. This wouldn't work if you needed to have pressed starch dress shirts for work or something. But mm-hmm. for just normal, you know, dresses or I used it on my blazer. Um, I've used it on shirts. I've used it on even the kids clothes if they um, needed to have something look nice for something and they had some wrinkles. And so it's by Tom and Sherry. It is available on Amazon. Um, my friend Kate actually found it. I think it was an Instagram ad or something. And she bought two bottles. And so she gave me one and I've just really loved it. Now there are multiple people who've told me that they will just spray straight up water on clothes and let it hang and that will work. Or they will put a, an ice cube in the dryer with clothes and run it and that will work as well. Um, But I've just found that this works even better because it kind of has that stiff starched feel Mm -hmm. to it. And so then it keeps, it holds the wrinkles out. Sometimes if I've used water or something, it'll somewhat get it out. But then as soon as I wear it, then it gets wrinkled again. Whereas this kind of has a starched feel where it doesn't get the wrinkles. um, Did you use it before the tack of it? I used it for my blazer. Um, actually, because you because you had gotten it out and it was kind of wrinkly, and I said, "Hey, wear it, and the wrinkles will fall out." So I didn't use it that night, but 
when I, before I went to family life, I sprayed it. I also then ended up steaming it a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. And then I let it dry overnight and it held up so well. I wore it all at the airport. Then I wore it all there. And it was, I had to do a lot of walking. It was in Florida. So it was hot and you're kind of sweaty and it held up really well, wore it on the plane home. And then the next day it was still in great shape, a little bit of wrinkles, like you said. Mm -hmm. Um, but then by the time I wore it, got to the event, like it yeah. looked great because it was. They took pictures and stuff, and it looks really good. So I like how the iron in a bottle holds, like it kind of holds the um, wrinkles out. So that's the first one. The second one is called Mamava Pods. M a m a m a v a. So Mamava, I guess is how you pronounce it. Um, I heard about this from my sister, um, Gretchen. She is a nursing mama and she had flown recently and she's like, Crystal, have you downloaded the Mamava app? It tells you the best places that you can breastfeed or pump at airports. Now, I have flown so much as a breastfeeding mom and never heard of this app. I don't know that they had it probably when you know we had the older three, but with Kirsten... I didn't fly as much, but with Micah, I've flown quite a bit and never heard of this. And so I was going on this trip and I downloaded the app and found out that at the Orlando airport, they had multiple pods is what they're called, where you could go and pump or breastfeed. And they're these really nice, spacious little rooms that are, you you just go in there and you can um, nurse or pump and they're private and quiet and clean. And it's so much better than pumping in a bathroom stall. So much better. I have no qualms with nursing in public. I've just done it for so long, but pumping in public is not something that I feel comfortable doing like that. We've crossed the line of, I won't do that. And so having this quiet place to go pump, I used it three times on my trip because I flew in a little bit early and went ahead and pumped. And then right before I had to leave in the Uber, I pumped and because I knew I was going to be gone for a like four, at least four hours and then pumped as soon as I got back. And it was, it was amazing. So highly recommend it. So if you, um, they have them, it's not just for airports, I guess, anywhere you can just look on the app and it will show you the closest places to wherever you are that have breastfeeding friendly areas actual lactation rooms or mamava pods and so um, a very valuable app if you are a breastfeeding or a pumping mom are those before or after security they had both so the one that i used was actually after security and the reason was is i had trouble i had only it had been years since i'd been to the orlando airport so on the app it said it didn't give me enough directions that i knew the orlando airport mm-hmm. to be able to figure out um once i got out of past security i was able to kind of look at all the signs and then get my bearings of oh they have um I think this is correct. So they have like gates one to 100 and something. They don't have C36, A36, B36. They just have one through it. So that's what was throwing me off was because I was like, well, I don't know. Is this B terminal? Is this A terminal? I just know. So once I got out and I was able to figure that out, but then in the B terminal in the baggage claim, they have... Oh. A mom of a pot. So that's where I went just because I was like, oh, it's right there. And then I could do it um, before security. That's but, really convenient. But they also have two other ones that are past security. They also have a number of 
lactation rooms, it said on the app that are at the Orlando airport, but I didn't check those out. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. If you've heard me talk at all over the last few years, you know that I went through a season where I had very severe seasonal allergies and it took me a while to figure out what was triggering it and it was debilitating. If you've ever suffered from this, I actually had my polyps got really swollen in my nose and then I got chronic rhinitis so I could not smell out of my nose. And not only that, but I would have these really awful headaches, the kind that just kept me from being able to enjoy my life. And I started going to an ENT, and one of the things that he recommended was Claritin D. And so for a time period, I took Claritin, and it was such a help to me. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. It works so well. I am a living testament to how well it works. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. So if you've ever suffered from seasonal allergies, if you can relate to kind of some of the things that I have experienced and you want some relief... I highly recommend checking out Claritin D. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This episode is sponsored by ByHeart, and I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in, and all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like ByHeart. ByHeart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, ByHeart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. 
Amwar makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Amwar, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for new-to-use styles. Now, I've mentioned on the podcast recently that I have been pregnant or breastfeeding for four and a half years, and that season of my life came to a close recently, and I was like, I forgot I can wear normal clothes again that don't need to be breastfeeding friendly or constantly changing in sizes with a postpartum body. And so now I'm left with trying to figure out, well, what do I wear? What is my style? I can't even remember. And styles have changed so much in the last few years. And so I've been having fun experimenting with different types of clothing. And I love that Amoir has allowed me to try some different styles of jeans and kind of step outside my comfort zone and figure out what I love, what works for my body type, and to not have spent money on things that I was like, "Mm, actually, this doesn't work after I wore it a few times and realized I don't really like it. And so it's been a great opportunity for me to try out some new things and help me to define my personal style. And I also love that the style quiz, the different suggestions that they gave after I took the style quiz, it was right in line with what I would want to wear. And so I have just loved this service and I would love for you to get to try it out and get a great deal. Right now, my listeners can give Amwar a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit amwar.style forward slash crystal. That is amwar.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash crystal to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Amwar today. All right, Slacker Parenting. So this was inspired by Allie Worthington's new book, that hasn't come out yet that I got to read a pre-release copy because I wrote an endorsement for it. It's called Remaining You While Raising Them, The Secret Art of Confident Motherhood. And we'll probably talk about this more on the show in the future because I get to have her on the podcast, which I'm really excited about. And I actually finished this book um, this week on the plane, but I loved this section. So she said, on a whim, I wrote an article embracing what I call slacker parenting. It was a response to the overparenting that so many women felt pressured to do. I asked in the article, what if instead of hovering over your kids at night, making sure every last math problem is correct and every book report is finished, you simply didn't and let them learn to do their work? What if your morning routine of running around, making sure the kids are dressed and all their lunches are packed no longer was your problem? And you just let them pick out their clothes and get this, pack their own lunches. Of course, you may have to step in and draw the line somewhere. Otherwise, they probably walk off with their pants on backward and Captain Crunch sandwiches for lunch. But for the most part, think of all the extra time you'd have. You could take a whole 10 minute long shower. She says, slacker parenting was my tongue-in-cheek way of saying that parents have permission to focus on the majors, not the minors. Mm. 
And I have talked to so many moms, especially recently, who just feel overwhelmed with trying to keep their kids' schedule in line, trying to help their kids with all their homework, trying to just figure out and manage all the things for their child. I just got a message from someone, I think it was yesterday, asking me, what do our teens routines look like after school because they're trying to help their 13-year-old and they can't figure out how he can get all the things done when he wants to have downtime, but he also needs to work on his homework. And she said she's having the hardest time getting him to transition from downtime to homework. And I just wrote back and I was like, that's not something that I consider to be my problem. Like I have just handed off a lot of the responsibility of these things to our kids Mm -hmm. from an early age so that I don't worry. Like, that's not my responsibility. That's Silas as our 13-year-old, almost 14-year-old. It's his responsibility when he gets home from school to take care of his own homework. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I never check his homework. I never look at online, I could look and see what he has assigned. I don't. If he needs help, he comes and asks for help. And I told this woman, I said, the only time that I do check with him is if he asks to go to a friend's house. And if he also has a sports practice or a game or something that same day, and if he'll say, hey, after my game or after my practice, can I go over to so-and-so's house? And that's, I'll usually say, well, do you have a lot of homework tonight? Because I'm still trying to teach him about learning to manage his time. And so that's something, you know, for him to think through, do I have a lot of homework? Am I going to need to be doing homework? Because we have had instances Mm -hmm. where he's made choices to do things and then it's 930 at night and he's stressed about Mm -hmm. getting his homework done. And so helping him to think through that. But, you know, she just, it was kind of blowing her mind to think of, oh, wait, I could step back and I could hand this off to my child. Now, I'm not saying that if you've never given your 13-year-old anything, you've done everything for them, then all of a sudden one day you're like, okay, (laughs) from here on out, I'm never doing anything for you. This is a process. But this is something that if you have young kids, start them now. Like Kirsten, she just turned three. And we are starting her with as much as she is capable of doing, we are handing that off to her because, you know, just little things like take yourself potty, get yourself dressed, pick out your clothes, you know, how she can do little, you know, make kind of some of her food for herself. Mm -hmm. We're letting her do it. If she asks, can I do it mama? Or I'll do it myself. I pretty much always try to, as long as she's asking nicely, let her try to do it. Kids are way more capable than we oftentimes give them credit for. And they get so much fulfillment from doing it themselves. And so if from the young age, you start just empowering them to take care of their own stuff and to do it for themselves, you're going to work yourself out of a job so much quicker. And then you're going to have time to just be able to enjoy your child. Mm-hmm. and to love them and to walk with them instead of just stressing over micromanaging all of the details of their life. And so I would just encourage you, one, to recognize and remember your child is probably much more capable than you give them credit for. 
but you have to build that into them. Definitely. And so the more that you can speak life to them, the more that you can empower them through your language. Pay attention. Are you saying things like, oh, they'll never be able to do that? Or they're just so not on the ball. Like pay attention to the words that you're saying about your kids because oftentimes they will live up to what you speak into them. So I think that this really starts for us. It's been building trust. So we have to build that trust relationship. It's a two-way sort of thing that they know, like they can trust that we trust them. But then also they recognize, oh, mom trusts me, so I better be worthy of that trust. Mm -hmm. So you start that from a young age of, you know, with Kirsten now, it's like, good job. Oh my goodness, you did that all by yourself. Look at you. You are getting to be such a big girl. And we really praise that. Her, her helping, having her help alongside, she's learning how to start the laundry. She's learning how to clean and work with me and fold the laundry and help with the dishes and help clean up her stuff after her, put things in the trash to, you know, just every little time that I can have her be involved and do it with me mm-hmm. or do it herself as best as she can versus me doing it for her. I really try to have her do that because I'm always thinking, she is going to be an adult someday. And how can I help her live into that and become more independent? So building that trust. And she is asking to help. So she sees us doing things. She'll come up and say, daddy, can I help you? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like, oh, Kirsten, come here. We're, you know, you need to do this. Mm -hmm. It's on her own, she wants to be able to help. And part of it is also she has big siblings that she sees as well, and she wants to be like them. But she does have that desire to to help. Well, and I think the other thing is how you speak about it again. Mm-hmm. If you're like, you have to do this versus you get to do this, you know, like. Oh, language is extremely important. Saying, it's chore time. We're going to do chores. And then after we do chores, we get to have tea time and we're going to do preschool time. And then after preschool time, then it's lunch. And then you get to watch a show, but you make it all exciting. And so then she knows. And it's funny because the other day I told her it was chore time, but there wasn't any laundry to start. But she's like, mom, it's chore time. We have to start the laundry. And I said, she's big into routines and everything. (laughs) You have to do the same thing over and over and don't deviate from that. We were all caught up on the laundry. So, but, so I just, I had to come up with some laundry for her to put in the washer and start (laughs) because she was so adamant. Like it's chore time. We always start the laundry when it's chore time. And so I found some kitchen towels that I was like, yeah, we can, we can wash these just because she was so like, we were not moving on to the next thing until we had finished that part of chore time. It was funny, but just how she is starting to really learn and be so excited about the fact that she's capable of doing this yep. herself. I think the second thing for us that has been so helpful with this is to really, as much as we possibly can, to not solve problems for our kids. So if they come to us, and I think a few days ago, one of the kids woke up, they were not in a good mood, <clears throat> and they were really frustrated about some things. So I could have swooped in. And I could have been like, you know what? I'm going to email. They were frustrated because they had something that was due and the teacher hadn't given them enough time they felt to do it. And um, they just were feeling the pressure of that. And it was also, there was another 
it was a team project and some other people had dropped the ball on some things. Um, so I could have swooped in and said, you know what? I'm going to email that teacher. I'm going to let them know that that other child did not know what they were supposed to do. And so therefore they need to give you an extension of time and blah, blah, blah. But instead I let them vent because I think that's important, you know, for them to have a safe space, for them to vent all of their frustration. Then I said, what are you going to do about it? And was just quiet and let them come up with the solution. Mm -hmm. And then we talked about some different ideas. I was like, well, what about this? What about that? How much is done with the project? Do you have any time that you can work on it today? And so I will try to ask them questions to try to help them be thinking of ways to solve the problem on their own. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I felt like in that case, they just needed to vent out. Right. And then once they had vented that out and we kind of talked through things, their attitude completely changed. I don't even know what happened. I never even asked them what happened at school. We didn't We didn't get a chance to um, because they were so just fine with everything then. But really thinking of how can I help them figure out how to be a problem solver instead of just solving the problem for them? Because if you always solve the problem for them, you're teaching your child to always look to others to solve their problems, to be dependent upon you and that they don't have what it takes to be able to figure it out themselves. And so teaching them to be problem solvers is one gift that you can give your child because you're not always going to be there for them. Yep. And then teaching them to ask for help instead of to expect it. So like I said with Silas, he does all of his homework. He's done all of his homework for, I mean... Years. Years. And same with the girls. And he is just, he's responsible for all of it. But there are some times when he'll come to me and he'll say, hey, mom, can you help me study for this test? Mm-hmm. Or, hey, mom, I'm working on this project. Do you Can you read over this and look at this? Or can I show you what I'm working on here? Do you have any ideas? Which is great. I am happy to give, to be a sounding board, to help quiz him on things. But it's his responsibility to come and ask for help. So from a young age, I've said to him, let me know if you need any help with your homework. Instead of, what's your homework tonight? Let's sit down and let's work on it. It's, Mm -hmm. let me know if you need any help. And then he comes to me sometimes. But it's that gift also that we're giving them of teaching them to know when they need to ask for help and then to ask for help. Don't be afraid. Because I think a lot of times we as adults don't know when to ask for help. We try to do it all ourselves and then we end up in a mess, you know, or we're too proud. I know for me, it's like to ask for help. I just want to do it all myself. And so teaching them that skill and that they know that if they ask for help, we're going to be happy to help them, but they're not expecting that mom's going to do the project for me. And I have found that they just have so much more fulfillment from working hard figuring it out themselves, being a problem solver, and then doing the project or doing the thing, completing it and seeing the end result. I think of Catherine just today, her coming to us. I think she came to you as well. She was so excited. She's been helping with another guy at school to spearhead this little business all year long 
where they have been selling drinks at lunchtime. The school gave them permission to do this. So they go out and they buy drinks and then they um, bring them back. It's things like soda and chocolate milk and different things like that. And at lunchtime, they sell them for a profit and they have, they make money every single day, but they are completely responsible for all of it. They have to go out and buy the stuff. They have to keep, you know, the spreadsheet with all the details, figure out where is it cheapest to buy it? How much do they sell it for to make a profit? What items do they need to buy every week? You know, just taking inventory. It's a very simple thing, but they've done it all themselves. And she is so stoked about how well it's done, how much money she's made this year and how she told me, she's like, it's just so cool because we did this all ourselves. And she said, it just gives me so much excitement about the possibilities that are out there. And, you know, it's a small thing, but just encouraging your kids to be capable and to do things on their own and to just see them as they get older and really apply those skills in real life ways and be able to see a lot of success from it mm-hmm. and, and the fulfillment that comes. And so I just think those are life lessons that for the rest of her life, she's going to take with her and hopefully going to apply to a lot of different things. So this is great practice. It's a gift that you give your child because it allows them to feel more empowered. It's also a gift that you give yourself because it takes a lot off of your plate so that you can be a more calm parent and you can have the bandwidth to be able to love them, walk with them, enjoy them. But also I was thinking about this is great practice for letting go. And as we are at this cusp of letting our 18-year-old daughter go, in a sense, um, I just think back to, I'm so grateful for all the years that we have invested in helping her to be a problem solver. Because I see her going out in the world and finding solutions and asking for help when she needs help, but feeling so empowered that she is capable of doing this on her own and that she doesn't need to have someone else there micromanaging her, that she can figure it out. And if she doesn't know, she can ask for help. So slacker parenting or whatever you want to call it, highly recommend it. And I hope this inspires you and encourages you in some way. And we love and welcome your feedback as always. Send an email with any thoughts on the show to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Have a great week and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 